0: Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Desch, lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined, as always, by the indescribable Betsy. Betsy, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank great. you.
0: Great. It's great to be back in the studio. Isn't it, it is. Definitely. Season three continues, and we've got a fun one and what we hope will be an enlightening episode for you as well today. The title of today's episode What Have You Been Reading? And Betsy, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share one book that I have been reading, and you're going to share one book that you've been reading, and we'll see where we end up at the end of that. Yeah. But we're both big readers, aren't we? Mm -hmm. We, Mm-hmm. Well, we
1: like to be, except at about 9.30, we both start pooping out. Yeah. (laughs) The
0: idea, though, is we usually get at least one sentence in before we fall asleep (laughs) in our book. You just, you never know.
1: The other day, I, I opened my, we do a lot of reading at night on the Kindle. Yes, and I opened my Kindle and I was like, I don't remember any of this. I had to scroll back several pages before I was like, Oh yeah, I read that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, hey, that's how we do it. That's that's the life of parents, right? Yeah, so you, true. you got the you got the energy that you have. All right, Bets. Well, let me go ahead. Let's just jump right in. I want to share with you a book that I've been reading and share some quotes from that book and get your opinion. All right. I have been. I just finished a book. Here's the title: Reading While Black. African American biblical interpretation as an exercise in hope. Mm. Big title. Most of the people just know this book right now is "Reading While Black." Now, uh, do you know what the play on uh, words that is that the author was using? Okay, mm-hmm. there there is an expression uh, "driving while black." I don't know if you've heard that oh, before, yes. but uh, those who are who are uh, black will tell you that there. And I th- I think there's data that proves this the rate of being pulled over. Um, but at any rate, we're not getting into that topic at all today. But but the title, I think the author was intentionally playing off that title, Reading While Black, and then the subtitle again is African-American Biblical Interpretation as an Exercise in Hope. The author of this book is Dr. Esau McCauley. He is an assistant professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. So the, uh, the really the flagship evangelical college uh, in the U.S., although you and I might argue for Covenant College oh, yeah. as the real flagship Christian college. Mm-hmm. Hey, but that's okay. We like Wheaton too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy, he's got his bona fides uh, in terms of being an evangelical, solid, believes the Bible, believes in the gospel, uh, would be familiar with our circles, but he is African-American. And Bets, I'll tell you why. Let me start with why I was interested in this book. I wanted to challenge myself to read outside of my tradition Mm -hmm. and to read outside of what I'm used to reading. So to be totally blunt, most of the books on my shelves were written by uh, white men who are evangelicals. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. These are guys who uh, love the Lord deeply and who've studied and researched. And I would also add uh, a lot of my books are contemporary, although I do have a good amount of older books, like from the time of the Reformation and so forth. But I wanted to challenge myself I wanted to read something from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, what I like about this is, yes, it's a different perspective, but it's an author who agrees with our beliefs on the core things, mm-hmm. right? The Bible's a word of God. Jesus died for our sins, and uh, and yet this author is open about saying, "I'm bringing my African American experience uh, with me as I come to the text." Mm-hmm. Now. That's one of the reasons that's that's interesting. Is really none of us can uh, totally come to the Bible in a completely objective manner. Right. Like like we have no background. Like we have no experience. You grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the church, and I know Bets. You have those moments where you're like, Oh yeah, remember? I you know I had that experience growing up in the church, or mm-hmm. you know I went to VBS or as a kid, or I memorized verses as a kid. I grew up in this kind of tradition. So all of us have different traditions that we grew up in. And this author is bringing his tradition with him. Now, um, let me tell you a couple things that I learned from this book. I want to start by reading a quote. Um, a big question, Betts, uh, in the scriptures that we come to is, what about the question of slavery? Have you ever wondered that? Absolutely. I, I mean, why is there not a Bible verse that says uh, slavery is sinful? Mm-hmm. Why, does the Bible condone slavery? Does the Bible condone slavery, period? Why do we not see, um, you know, more, uh, maybe stronger direct verses against slavery? So imagine, I mean, this is not part of our heritage, but if you're African American, this is a big question for you.
1: Absolutely. When
0: you think about American history. So that's obviously a big question for Dr. McCauley. And he really helped me understand some passages in the New Testament in ways I had never seen them before. And I want to start out by reading a quote from him about uh, slavery. And here's what he says. All right, and I quote, The story of Christianity does not on every page legislate slavery out of existence. So you're not going to find on every page of the Bible slavery is wrong. Now, let me go back to the quote. Nonetheless, the Christian narrative, our core theological principles, and our ethical imperatives create a world in which slavery becomes unimaginable. Hmm. So, Betts, here's what he's doing. He's saying, yes, it is true that you, you won't find that verse that says, Christians, get rid of slavery right now. But what the Bible is doing is, as the biblical story is being played out, as the gospel and the implications of the gospel is experienced in the Christian community, the Christian community should see that slavery is an unacceptable practice. Mm-hmm right? And so then if you, if you look at the scriptures that way, then you realize that the Bible does not support slavery. The Bible creates a world in which it's unimaginable. Now, mm-hmm. Bets, let me give you one more quote on this. One more quote from Macaulay. He says, I want to contend that the Old Testament and later the New Testament create an imaginative world in which slavery becomes more and more untenable. Stated differently, God created a people who could theologically deconstruct slavery. Hmm. So so very cool uh, and, and very deep and profound how he goes about addressing this question of slavery. He gets way past the surface questions like, well, show me the one verse. And he gets to say, let's think about this theologically. Let's think about the, the totality of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Of course, he talks about the Exodus. What's the Exodus? God bringing his people out of slavery, and he says that within that world, theologically slavery doesn't make sense hmm. and and slavery is wrong, and he brings that uh to uh, the book of Philemon in particular. And what's interesting, that says, do you remember the word that he tells Philemon uh, to call Onesimus the brother Brother, you got it, ding 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 <laughs> Woohoo. um yeah, he says. Philemon view Onesimus as your brother. That's huge. Not as your master, but he is your brother. Now, um, all right, I said I was going to read, I was going <laughs> to stop at two quotes. Let me give you one more. <laughs> one more. This is about Philemon about, uh, from this great book that I read. He says this, and I quote, Paul's rhetoric makes it difficult for Philemon to make much of his status as owner And Onesimus' status as slave. Paul also uses familial language, calling Philemon his brother. The point is clear. Oneness in Christ transforms relationships. That's Hmm. big right there. Hmm. Back to the quote. Society values those with power and status. Christians treat all people, slave, free, or prisoner, as family. The idea that slaves and masters are family undermines slavery. Who would enslave a brother or sister? End quote. Isn't that that powerful? Yeah. So then it's like Philemon, um, really what he's doing is, and basically Paul says in that book, he says at another point, he says, look, I could command you to set him free. But really what he wants Philemon to do is to set Onesimus free on his own Mm -hmm. because he realizes the uh, power of the gospel in his life. Wow. So that's that's some of my experience about reading this book, um, Reading While Black,
1: it sounds like a really good one.
0: It's a it's it is a good one and it's and it's helpful to get outside again of our normal authors and the normal uh, maybe lane that we're in and to hear a different perspective.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's great to challenge ourselves to try to see the world through someone else's eyes and everyone has good things that they can bring from their own perspective and we can really learn from the experience of other people.
0: That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he brings his, I just, I really appreciated his transparency and his honesty in this book and his wrestling. And he he digs into the black uh, uh, historical interpretation of the scriptures and really opened my eyes in new and fresh ways. Uh, and so I would recommend this book to someone who um, wants to understand the black hermeneutical tradition. Hmm hermeneutical that just that big that big word that just means how do you interpret the bible
1: you're making this sound pretty academic but it it seems like it's pretty accessible for anyone thanks for saying
0: that yes you when you
1: when you go down the hermeneutical route yeah
0: yeah you're right you're right me you're right (laughs) well he is i will say this about dr macaulay he's clearly a fan of hip-hop because there's a lot of allusions to rap and that sort of thing and he's he's an entertaining and he's a fun author and it's clear to me that he loves Jesus too.
1: So, this is an accessible book. Oh, for abso- anyone. absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Super accessible. Um, you'll get through more than one sentence before you fall asleep at night. Um, <laughs> I read it pretty quick. I got through it pretty quickly. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Bets, I've heard you read a book too. Tell me about it.
1: Well, I'm actually in the middle of one that I would love to highlight. Uh, this book is called The Divine Conspiracy. It is by the philosopher and theologian Dallas Willard, who I believe mm. has passed away. He has, yeah. Yes. Um, so this is, I'm just going to say, this is a great book. Now, I'm only a few, um, I'm like a fifth of the way through, probably. The print is small. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was having to reread sentences. But now that I'm into it, it's, it's also very accessible. It's really good. So the, t- the subtitle of this book is, uh, it's called The Divine Conspiracy, Rediscovering Our Hidden Life in God. And this has been termed to be Dallas Willard's magnum opus.
0: Yes, I I am, even though I have not read this book, I have been familiar with this book. this is your book. For probably 20 years.
1: (laughs) And it was sitting on our shelf for a long time. And I finally said, you know what? I'm going to read that Okay,
0: can I just take a time out here and say, as a pastor, we have many books sitting on our shelves (laughs) that we've never read. (laughs) And you know what? When a Christian comes along and grabs it and says, I'm actually going to read it, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I said, I just heard this was a great book. So I said, okay, I'm going to read this book. So um, I'm just going to give some initial impressions. And once I'm done, I, uh with the book, I can circle back and, and and give more. But Dallas Willard, he's setting out. This is a book essentially about discipleship. He's setting out to say there are many Christians who believe that your journey with the Lord is ultimately more about your eternal destiny than about your moment-to-moment life. In, and his point is that eternal life starts now, abundant life starts now, and God cares about your life here and now, not only... Your eternal destiny, if that makes Mm. sense. Mm. So, anyway, he, um, I really resonate with a lot of what he says. He kind of talks about Christianity or theology from the right, like very conservative traditions, and then theology on the left or more liberal um, traditions. And he talks about how on the right, we have this idea of. God cares the most about your eternal destiny. And only he really knows if you're a Christian, how you live your life. You know, that's not really the focus. It's more about are you saved or not? Um, And of course, God does care about that. But his point is Christians who, um, who are stuck there don't see that God has a beautiful life in store for you right now, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and it, it also reminds me of that place in the Bible where Jesus says you will know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. Because if my salvation is only what's going to happen to me when I die, where's what's the fruit matter now? Right. That would be sort of another angle on this idea, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. And then he talks about um, those on the theological left who... he He calls it the gospel of sin management. Like, how are you dealing with hmm. sin management? That's what... For, so he's painting these caricatures of um, the problem being how do we manage our sin. So there's the eternal destiny route, and then there's also the route on the left of social change. Everything is uh, is about society getting better and everything. So um, it, it's, a, it's a great book. His point is really to enrich your walk with the Lord day by day to experience the richness and the abundance of life that Jesus gives us in the moment by moment. Um, and it's just, it's a really good book, so I'm thankful to be into it, and um, I know it's really going to enrich my own walk the, with the Lord and and hopefully have ripple effects to other people in my life, too.
0: Yeah, that's really cool, mm-hmm. uh, and so this book seems like uh, a very necessary message for our culture. It sounds like Dallas Willard was looking out, and he was seeing mm-hmm. Maybe particularly in American Christianity, and saying this is what I'm seeing. What's missing, right?
1: Yes, yeah. I think I, th- I think that's it. He was saying, why don't the lives of Christians look much different from other people?
0: Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I've heard it said. You know, Jesus told us uh, to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You've heard that before. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said that so- sometimes with Christians, we're of the world, but we're not in the world. Mm so we we look like everybody else, mm. but then we're also kind of in our own little little cloistered like we're not reaching anybody, yeah, but then our lives also kind of look the same mm. and uh sounds like Dallas Willard is saying Jesus really came to transform our lives, yes, in the here and now
1: yep yeah it's it's a really a good one, and um I think it I'm excited to get through more of it wow,
0: yeah, I'm excited to be one of the beneficiaries, yes of that.
1: <laughs> yep. So I just wanted to share a Just Being Honest that's actually really funny. Um, I found this article some time ago, and this is, y'all, this is COVID humor. Um, You know, the longer we go in this, I think, you know, I I, I think everyone listening would say we're so weary. Um, There's been so much loss, and there's a Mm. lot of loneliness, and so this is a COVID headline that I I just found really funny, and I wanted to share it. so here we go. This is from the Mirror in the UK. Here, this the headline is: "Wife, 24, so she's 24 years old, fined for walking husband, 40, on leash like a dog to beat lockdown curfew." <laughs> so, so we know that the UK had. Um, oh no, this was a couple in Canada. They have imposed a, um, a lockdown curfew on. They're citizens, you know, in hopes okay. of decreasing case numbers. Uh-huh. And so this wife put her husband on a leash and then they were questioned by the police and she told the police, quote, she was walking her dog when she was questioned about why they were outside after the coronavirus curfew. <laughs> That's a new one.
0: I don't even know where to go with that. That's a, I, <laughs> I really, thought that was so funny. I really don't. Uh,
1: so if you don't have a dog, I guess they didn't have a dog and they wanted to leave to take a walk. But the only way they could do that is if you're walking a pet.
0: Oh, so that was the way they were getting so around the law. So she was like, law. this is okay. my
1: pet. And the police officer was like, okay. that's a human person. Yeah.
0: Oh my yeah. goodness. I that's thought hilarious, that, right? I thought they just had a really bad marriage. But that, <laughs> but that maybe they, they still might. But. They
1: still might. But the the reason that the husband was on a leash was that so they they would have a reason to go outside after the oh, curfew. Oh
0: my goodness. Now that's funny. Wow. That, yeah. is, that is really funny. Yeah. Um, are we all going a little crazy right yeah, now? Yeah, and with why this? did the
1: husband agree to this? I would say to be on a leash. I guess he really wanted to get outside <sighs> he too. He really
0: wanted to get out of the house. Wow. Um,
1: <sighs> so thankfully, we haven't gotten that desperate.
0: No, and there's not a there's not a lockdown rule That's on right. that. I'm just putting. I'm putting. <laughs> and my, we do,
1: but we do have a dog, so.
0: We do have a dog. We'd
1: be legit to go outside. Anyway. Yeah. We are ready for this to end, aren't we? Yes. Amen.
0: Well, everybody, thank you for joining us uh, for another episode of Intersect. And uh, we will be continuing season three here. So we hope that you'll uh, continue to join us. And Bets, tell our audience where they can find us. And also, folks, we could really use a positive review and rating. That really helps the podcast get out there. It helps it reach more people And, you know, I had a listener say to me recently, Josh, I went all the way back to the first episodes and started from the very beginning. There's great content from our first few seasons. So we'd love it if people could rate and review, but that's, where can um, they find us?
1: Guys, that's on the the podcast app. If you're an Apple user, you can leave a rating or leave a review that does help people to find us. Um, We are so thankful for the people who have listened. Um, Josh and I have had so much fun doing this. So thank you for listening. If you, we'd love to know what you're reading, actually. You can send us an email, intersect at anyprez.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We're the Intersect Podcast Group. And thank you for listening.
0: See you next time.